Welcome to Reimagining Ceremonies, a podcast by Entheos. I'm Karen Dempsey. And I'm Fred Curtis, and we're here to start conversations about reimagining ceremonies. Happy Pride, everybody. Woohoo! <laughs> we are in Pride Month, and this is the start of three episodes that we're going to dedicate to the LGBTQ plus community. Today, it is just myself and Karen, and we are going to be talking about the community incentive from Entheus that is Die With Pride. So we are going to kick that off. However, first, we're going to share some, share some words and Karen's going to explain where these words come from. So this is a little part of the explanation of Dido Pride and the inspiration for it from its founder, Tony McCallion. Um, Tony, Reverend Tony McCallion, I'll give him his title. He is um, my uncle. But I say that in that we're more like siblings, really, in that there's only four years between, not even four years between us. Um, so we've always had that kind of close, more sibling relationship. Uh, so I was blown away when Tony came and, you know, brought up this discussion about this idea that he'd had during the pandemic, during Corona, um, when everybody was in lockdown and so far away and isolated and not working and with all of this time to reflect um, and worry and do all of whatever people were doing behind their closed doors. Um, and when he brought the idea, we began to kind of scheme it and tease it out a little bit. And he had visions for it and I had visions for it. But I was very aware as well of my position as a cis het woman married to a man. Um, and, you know, all the various privileges that that brings that I didn't want to I didn't want to speak over him or take the idea and run with it or do anything like that. But at the same time, I am in a position where I was able to support the growth of this idea and, and maybe bring it to the world. And as time has passed, um, it has stayed and it has, it has kept its energy. And I know that Tony now is really excited to actually see it come to life and to see Entheos maybe be able to take it under our umbrella of the services that we offer to the world because it fits right in with our ethos and our vision and our commitment to inclusivity. Yeah. So I'm going to share some words that Tony wrote about Die With Pride and that will give you a sense for the energy as you say. Um, so um, I hope Tony doesn't mind me reading them but we decided that I'd read them from mm -hmm. a gay queer perspective. Yeah. As someone who had lived through the AIDS pandemic, I recognized some similarities, but the difference with this virus in contrast was that unlike the AIDS epidemic in the 80s, this pandemic meant that we're all in this together. As a gay man, I thought to myself, what a perfect time for me to die. It would completely resolve any issues with, when, and where funeral arrangements, and as most of my friends are scattered all over the place, they wouldn't have to attend and therefore they'd all be released from any bad feelings or remorse. This virus was going to solve all the issues and I then would at least have this as my legacy. Oh, he died in the great pandemic of 2020. And just like the Titanic, there would be a movie called Pandemic and some heartthrob would be playing me. I realised a short while later that this was how a lot of gay men were thinking, not just me. 
What was this common thread that linked us in our thoughts of our own demise? Mm. I just, you read that to me before we started and I was like, that's exactly where we need to start the episode. And also nice to start with Tony's words because this is his idea, his baby, and we are here to represent him um, and to bring, as you say, die with pride to life. Um, but it's very much from the essence of his energy and his story, I suppose. And I think that that's a strong place to start is to start maybe with the story of how Die With Pride became an idea and then how Tony brought it to yourself. Mm -hmm. So initially, um, initially this stemmed from, we come from a family where there were a lot of deaths at young ages of Tony's own siblings. Um, so he has four brothers who died. Um, or there had been four deaths in the family quite at quite young ages. And the more recent one was Tony's brother, Tony's sibling, Eugene, who had died. Um, it, it was an out and proud gay man, died at home, was found at home. And um, it was his death and the process of his funeral and and all of that, that I think began the whole inspiration for linking the thread together of all of these various uh, gay people, LGBTQ plus people who have died over the years. And in, in Tony's own experience that he talks about, um, died over the years and had got funerals that maybe weren't fully aligned with their position in the world, their worldview or who they were in the world. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time that is related to coming from a family that is from a more traditional faith path where LGBTQ plus lifestyles are not recognized at all, are, are ostracized, are completely denied. Um, so Tony being a flight attendant had traveled all around the world and had, had attended funerals for his own colleagues and uh, friends all around the world and seen this theme repeated over and over again. So the thread, I think, when it when it hit home so closely, the thread began to link up and he was inspired. He said it came to him in a moment of divine inspiration to just feel really inspired to actually act on this and do something. Um, so that's where the very beginning seed of Dido Pride came from. And to actually be able to, to bring it to the world, when he mentioned it to me then and we spoke about it, I had I have held so many funerals for queer people. And I'm really passionate about making sure that the person's life is reflected in a way that is meaningful to them and in a way that is true and honest and authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I absolutely loved this idea. And I also really loved the idea that I was in a position to create a space to have a panel of celebrants who are LGBTQ plus people holding ceremonies for LGBTQ plus people so that everybody who wants to hold a ceremony can have that ceremony held by a member of a community that they resonate with, of their own community. Um, so Dido Pride and Entheos kind of began in a parallel um, growth process then mm-hmm. with a lot of the, the ideas of Dido Pride were really inspiring me to, to really, you know, work on creating a scholarship program and an inclusive space and removing any barriers that people might have to doing a celebrant training where... So, yeah, where previously they may have encountered barriers, but so that we could um, diversify 
the, the available celebrants to people when yeah. they did need to hold a ceremony for their, themselves or their loved one. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> I remember hearing about it for the first time and just being like, oh my God, this is incredible and so important. And I suppose I consider myself young. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I know some people would think about death. Um, some people would fear death. Um, I know it's something that does play on people's mind, but it's not something that I've thought about in the perspective of thinking about how people are going to say goodbye to me. Mm. So hearing Tony's story um, and then also thinking about other queer people who haven't been um, memorialized. What's that word? Memorialized. Memorialized. There we go. That haven't been memorialized in the way that might represent their life. And then thinking about God, how, like, if something tragic happened to myself, what, what how would my funeral look? Mm. Um, so it does really touch a bone as a queer person. Mm. Um, and it's something that the minute you kind of shared it with me and said, this is very much an incentive of Entheus, I was like, that's something I really want to be part of. Mm. That feels so aligned to what I want to put out into the world and how I want to. I'm, I love being a member of the LGBTQ plus community. I love being queer and I love our community and I love um, the fight that we have and I love the growth that we've seen in the community um, and I love looking to certain people and being like, wow, look what they've done for our community. And I have that drive to always be like, I would love to give back to my community as much as possible. And being in this work, I can see so clearly how I can do that. In particular, with die with pride, died with pride. Yeah. As you're speaking, I was like, I keep calling it die with pride, but it's died with pride. Um, and it just makes me go, yes, that's, that's a space I feel like I can genuinely give back to my community in a meaningful way um, that aligns with who I am and my gifts um, and the training I've done with Entheus. So it's just so exciting. And I don't know Tony. I've never met Tony yep. or spoken to Tony. So I only know Tony through you. And I do look forward to the day when I get to sit down and chat with them, which I hope will happen. So what are the next steps for Died With Pride? How do we, you know, bring this, for want of a better term, to life? You know, because it's not quite out there. People don't know about it yet. But we in Entheus and our celebrants are ready to step in and memorialize queer people as they would like to be and other communities. Yeah. Basically memorialize people the way for the person that they were. Yeah. I mean, our aim is to have somebody who would be available to represent as many communities as we possibly can. Yes. In, in this country, in the world. Um, so we have to remember again that this is a fledgling organization. <laughs> so we're at the beginning of this kind of growth phase. And the first part was actually getting a team of LGBTQ plus queer celebrants in, in place within Entheos so that they are available to um, 
to lead the died with pride funerals on that side of the organization. Yeah. And if I can actually jump in there, yeah. I think because I know you're of the opinion that you don't necessarily want to be the celebrant uh, for these funerals. But I think it's important to remember because you've done so many queer weddings and you have been such an ally to the community and you've created an organization which really celebrates LGBTQ plus love and lifestyle that it's for me, yes, it's wonderful for the Renee mentioned it in her episode for people to have the option of having a queer Mm. celebrant. But if people want you because of who you are, I think, you know, yes, queer celebrants will be at the forefront of Died With Pride, but that doesn't mean that other people won't be able to celebrate um, those end of life ceremonies. It's about Mm. picking the right person and a queer person might want someone like myself, but equally they might want you because they have a connection to you because they saw you in a ceremony or you married them. You yeah. Know. Yeah. I thank you for that. Actually, <laughs> that's very emotional when you say that because, but I think as well, that is true because I've held so many ceremonies for queer people, funeral ceremonies as well as weddings. Um, and my expertise a lot of the time is in sudden and tragic deaths. And unfortunately, a lot of queer people die in sudden and tragic circumstances, which is, again, part of the reason why Died with Pride exists. Yes. So, um, so thank you for naming that, actually. That, that, was, a, that was actually lovely to hear. Um, and we come here via what the plan is for Died with Pride. Um, and a big part of it is letting funeral directors know that yeah. we exist. Um, so that when a family comes into a funeral director and says, this is, this is where we're at, this is our person has died, our person has died, and we want to memorialize them properly and we're not sure what to do. Um, that the funeral director will know that they can contact us and we have a team of experienced celebrants ready to go mm-hmm. um, and speak with that family and, and sit down with them and hear about their person and what that person loved and, and work with them so that the family can bring their perspective and then our Died or Pride celebrant can bring their experience of life within the LGBTQ plus community or, you know, whatever way they might want to um, merge the two because very often... Yeah. At the, at the best of times, families can feel overwhelmed. The best of times is the wrong turn of phrase there. But I mean, families can feel completely overwhelmed at this time. So any decisions that we can take off them or any support we can give them or any, even just sitting down and coming up with ideas can be such a relief for a family. And to know then that, that, that the family can know that they have chosen somebody that they feel will accurately portray the life that their loved one lived um, and it also could possibly bring like just you describing that sitting with the family them discussing who they are um like obviously every single person is unique and different but there's a lot of wonderful characters and wonderful personalities and beings within the lgbtq plus community and like if you we're celebrating someone like that it'd be so exciting and joyful to sit with their family and I think that that's such a big part of the healing process is talking about them celebrating them and that's why I want to further delve into funerals is because it's part of this like healing process and you get to learn about it's almost like you get to know someone that you've never met yeah 
And I yeah. think that that's so wonderful. But just you saying that, I was like, God, there's strangely so much joy there, mm. which must be so healing for the family like very as well. often I find myself saying to a family, I really wish I'd known this person in life because mm -hmm. I feel like I know them really well in death. Um, yeah, and it can be a real like, oh, I know I'd love this person. I um, know. And I mean, also there are times when you go, oh, maybe this person wouldn't have been my, my person. Sometimes <laughs> that comes up too. But um, but it really, really is lovely to get to know people that way. Which is also nice. And I don't want to dive off topic from Diet with Pride because we definitely want to stay with that for, you know, yeah. this episode and for the next uh, few episodes staying within the Pride um, arena. Yeah. But it's also nice. Some people are not nice people. Some people have not nice qualities some, and <laughs> yeah. equally they have amazing qualities, but also not nice qualities. And I like the idea of finding a way to celebrate the person that's so true to themselves. So everyone in that room goes, hmm, yeah. yeah, that yeah. was them. <laughs> and they, they love them because they're there. Exactly. You yeah. know, so yeah. they're going to be like, yeah, that, that was them, you know? Yeah. And I've, I find that nicer. I find that more like authentic. More authentic and more grounding for yeah. the people there to be like, we're really saying goodbye to the truth. Yeah. You know, but I think that's, that's across the board. Yeah. But in regards to like, died with pride, you mentioned chatting to funeral directors. Yeah. So do you want to go a little bit yeah. more into that? Because the other thing, it's really important as well, I think that, everybody within the queer community knows that we exist and that yeah. that NTS exists because it can be a source of anxiety and it can be kind of subconscious. Maybe some people haven't overtly thought about their funeral. Um, but, you know, when you grow up in a society where maybe you come from a more traditional background where your family were part of a faith path, but you mm -hmm. maybe don't practice that faith path, you know where all your family are going to go. You know, you know, the paths that they will follow after they die um, to the church, to the graveyard, to all that. And you, people may wonder then, how, how do I fit in? That's not what I want for myself. But what will my family do after I die? Will, will my family, I mean, sometimes understandably take the path of least resistance and do that for me as well? Totally. Because in Ireland, we do funerals very quickly. So it's yeah. really understandable as well. And this is, I say that with loads of compassion. It's really understandable when families panic and go, we don't know what to do. We haven't got time. We'll just do this because it's what we know. And then afterwards, it can be very painful for a family to reflect on that and think, oh, maybe we could have done, done this. that differently. We could yeah. have done that. Had we known, maybe we could have done something differently. And there are some areas that you can't, you know, bring into certain spaces. Yeah. You know, and there's reasons for that. Um, but sometimes there's a particular song, a particular poem, a particular word that needs to be spoken when saying goodbye to this person. And when that can't be done, for whatever reason, you know, it's, as you say, it can sit with them. Now, I also believe there's many ways of doing that after even the funeral. Yeah. Like yeah. there's so many, as, as we harping back to episode one, you can create rituals and ceremonies anywhere yeah. so sometimes nice it's nice to just go well let's go out to the sea let's sit let's watch the sunset let's have a moment for you to say goodbye in your way so there is there's always possibility there's never a a one time you say goodbye yeah um but yeah i think 
hearing you say that being like, sometimes it can sit and go, oh, we didn't get to do that. And that would have been perfect for them. Yeah. And I think there's no harm in naming the fact that some traditional spaces, particularly with faith paths and religions, are not welcoming of queer people. Mm-hmm. And, and that the person who has died may have experienced that in life and processed it in whatever way. Um, but that, you know, I don't think we probably need to shy away from it either in that that is a truth of of why this exists as well, died with pride. Um, well, it kind of goes back to Entheus's, um value of this yeah. as a space for marginalized and yeah. ostracized groups. Yeah. And we're creating a space for people to come and celebrate those life moments in a space and in an environment that feels grounded and safe and connected yes. to them. Yeah. And that is why Died With Pride and Entheus fit like a glove in a hand. <laughs> a hand in a glove. A hand in a glove. A hand in a glove. <laughs> but yeah, that is that's exactly the heart of it. Yeah. Um, and we need more of these spaces and we will have more of these spaces. But I think as well, the, the concept of a celebrant led funeral is quite new as well in, in this country yes. and, and in our society. So we really want to be at the leading edge of that, at the mm-hmm. forefront of, you know, creating this, um, this movement towards inclusivity and really challenging the heteronormativity of the cel- ceremony world. Mm-hmm. I mean, the funeral world is incredibly heteronormative um, and the wedding world is even more heteronormative. Um, well, no, not even more. Equally, I would say heteronormative. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it, like it's just such a, an area of growth and foregrowth. And as as more time passes, we're going to see the the ratio of a tr- more traditional style funerals move much more into the the celebrant led style or the uh, yeah. s- ceremonies that take place maybe outside of um, traditional religious spaces and into more creative spaces i suppose where we have to come up with um ideas and plans for funeral ceremonies for people i mean i've held um i held a funeral for a wonderful man um it would have been a died or pride funeral before died except died or pride didn't exist at the time but um and we held it in a ga hall and it was this musical extravaganza um and it, when i say musical extravaganza it was a musical extravaganza extravaganza held through grief um, mm-hmm. held through grief and loss and it was a very sudden traumatic death um, so that was all in the room along with the absolute heartfelt commitment of all of his people and his family and his friends who had come together to bring every ounce of energy that they could towards giving all they had to giving him the best send off that, that they possibly could give him through song, through music, through poetry through their tears, through their eulogies um, and and he was buried as well out of the airport and we gathered around his grave and sang. Everybody sang their hearts out in the graveyard as planes went by and the, the sound of the planes was drowned out by the sound of the song in, in the graveyard. Mm-hmm. And that level of creativity is something that everybody deserves. Um, and it's something that we really want to lean into creating and, and giving to people. Yeah. And until somebody creates the space in the way that we are... <laughs> Yeah, it's just... Well, that will just be... That will be great because it will be expansive. Yes. And there will be another space where that will... Because there's so many different type of people in the world. And, you know, there's so many unique 
perspectives in the world yeah. and unique ways of how people see ceremony for themselves. So yes, we're inclusive and yes, we do everything in our power to create, you know, the personal ceremony for the person or the couple or the child or, you know, whoever yeah. it is. But yeah, if more organizations come along that fill out. Yeah, I can lean into it as I well. I can lean into it. The wor- that's amazing. Yeah. I think that's really exciting. <laughs> yeah. I think that that's the point. Yeah, we don't want to be the only organization yeah. doing this. We want this to be a movement that and really gains momentum. Further to that, like, I would hope to see that as like, you're doing collaborations yeah. with those other organizations and you're creating community with them. And you're like, they they catch these people and we catch these people. Yeah. I think that that's amazing. I was thinking there when you were talking as well. You want to create a funeral for a person that they would like to show up and have a good yes. time at. Yes. <laughs> that's what you, that's kind of what you want to do. You want almost to imagine them sitting there going, Yeah, this is yeah. my funeral. Yeah, yeah. You know? These are my people. This These is are my, my people. Yeah. This is this is how I wish you to mourn me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's it. that's hitting the nail on the head. Though that's exactly what we want, um, because we can have so much fun at a funeral. And I'm always cautious about you know people say putting the fun into funeral. Ha ha ha. Yeah, you can say that, but really, funerals are deeply sad. Yeah. Um. So we will always hold that that energy of um the grief and the loss and the heartache that comes alongside totally the the wholehearted celebration of that person's life that they did live for as long as they got to live it um and it's such a great gift to be a part of of creating the ceremony for somebody in that capacity it really is huge and i also think maybe it's important to say now um we're going to have some very interesting conversations um around death in the next couple of weeks on the podcast um and what people think of death and how people feel about death um whether they are older um or whether they are actually living their life knowing that they're they're going to reach that stage soon or whether they're a younger person who has lost someone or any age person who's lost someone and they're struggling with that loss because maybe things you know weren't very clear when when they died the relationship yeah. might have been fractured or whatever um i think as well as well with died with pride and the conversations that we're going to have in the next few weeks what we also wanted to just touch on this week was pride yeah and it being pride month and the reason we are talking about died with pride and the reason we are going to invite certain conversations in the next couple of weeks into this space is because of pride and obviously pride is a hugely important month for Entheus because what Entheus stands for um so can you talk a little bit this year 2023 what and let's say what Entheus's stance on pride is this year Mm. um well our stance on pride I guess is one of activism Mm-hmm. Um, activism and allyship, but um, allyship in a way that is truly not just for the month of June. 
I mean, really and truly not just for the month of June. I went to change my Facebook profile picture there the other day to something for pride. And I realized, huh, it's already me with a pride flag <laughs> in the background. <laughs> um, and I was like, I had a nice moment. Where I was like, oh, that's good. That's a good testament to the fact that yeah. it's not just for the month of June. Um, and that, you know, for ceremonies that we hold, we're, we're talking about funerals today, but say for weddings, you know, people add in the hashtags and the hashtag, the love is love and, you know, equality and all these things. Yes, they're all great, but they don't exist in a vacuum. They can only exist if we keep on challenging the heteronormativity of the wedding world over and over again. And if we as an organization are willing to potentially be seen as a thorn in the side of more traditional setups and organizations and ways of doing things, that we just refuse to collude in that heteronormativity. Um, and, and we continue to kind of keep trying to create this space of inclusivity so that inclusivity is normal and baseline. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember like hanging up the pride flag in the window here there a while ago. And um, as I was hanging it up, I thought, oh, what if this, you know, at the time there was quite a few homophobic attacks happening in Dublin City. It was an awful time. And I thought, oh, what now if I hang this up and somebody throws paint at it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I caught myself in that, in the moment, the privilege of me thinking that because that would be paint at a window. <laughs> I mean, that, that's inconsequential. That's nothing. That's just, that's property. Um, it's people that are precious and it's people that we need to protect. And by me putting up, um, uh, hanging a pride flag in the window of our space, if that signals to people that this is a safe space and we are willing to, I don't know, risk, risk whatever we need to, to be a safe space, then then so be it. That's the stance that we actually want to take because otherwise it's just fluff. It's just saying things for the sake of saying things if we're not actually willing to get uncomfortable as an organization and to really challenge ourselves as an organization mm-hmm. to, to do what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. That, I, I don't know, maybe I went on a tangent there, but I'm really, really passionate about this, about yeah. ally, not comfortable allyship, you know. And I say this as well with, a, with an emphasis on, with an appreciation that ability I'm not talking about, you know, you have to get out there physically marching in the streets. It's no. not that. It's just that in your own life, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, that you challenge that heteronormativity, that you stand up for people that maybe need to be stood up for, if you can. Yes, exactly. If you can, and if it's safe to do so, and, you know, where if you can and where you can. But that your intention is to truly stand alongside, and sometimes maybe a little protectively, um, yeah. alongside siblings, friends, family, people in your community who are facing this, you know, whether it's overt or covert homophobia or heteronormativity, because there's two sides of the same coin, really. Um, Whatever they're facing, that we appreciate that and that we don't also use language like, where is this homophobia coming from? I can't believe it's all happening now all of a sudden. And this is, you know, where did this, it's not new. This Mm -hmm. is not new. This has been going on since time immemorial, really. This has been going on since people have been able to demonstrate differences in 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 how they are in the world um so we need to stop acting like this is a shock and a surprise and something that needs to be you know put back to bed because it has never gone away so we need to really really keep leaning into that um that learning edge for all of us about how to change the world Mm -hmm. i've been asked loads of times how can i be an ally and i haven't always had the answer and i don't know if I even do have the answer now and because I think it's so nuanced and I think um equally how you figure out to be a queer person in this world 
I think as an ally, you figure out how you be an ally in this world. Mm. And the kind of, I'm not going to say it's advice, but the kind of tippet that I share, if people do ask me that question, is do the internal personal work around how you feel about queer people across the board, the LGBTQ plus IA, et cetera, et cetera, like every single person. And this goes for thinking about all marginalized groups. Do the work of really challenging your own stigma, which we all have. Do that work and then just show up. Yeah. Because you can't be like, yes, of course, come to the parades. Yes, stand up for people in the moments, but people are different beasts. People show up in the world differently. So figure out what, what does being an ally mean to you? And why do you want to be an ally? And are you just being an ally to certain people? Because then you have to be like, no, I have to be an ally to everybody. I want to be an ally. Like for me, I want to be an ally to, to the world, to every type of person, you know? Um, so it's kind of like, do that work, read, listen, uh, talk, have conversations, having conversations with your queer friends, with queer people is being an ally. Um, find queer people that you feel safe to ask certain questions with and then just show up in the world as yourself with all of that work. And I feel that's a powerful way to be an ally and I do feel sometimes people are like but how do I will I do this will I do that and they show up in like rainbow dresses going I'm an ally and you're like it's it's so I think it's more internal and nuanced and deeper than that and being visible as an ally is wonderful it's one step it's one step but also is that how you normally show up in the world And maybe, you know, you don't need to do that. Maybe you can do something else that, you know, well, we haven't even have figured out. Well, it doesn't have to be about you as well. There's sometimes there's a little, it can be a little bit yeah. performative, the showing up in rainbows, being like, I'm an ally. Yeah, You know, course. who who is that actually about? Is it about that person? Yeah. Is it about... But I, I think that goes for the queer community as well. Sometimes we show up once a year to have a big party and mm. the rest of the year, how available are we for our community? You know, and... I don't think you have to all, it's it's such a big question, but you don't Mm. always have to be available for your community if you're not in the space to be. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's where allies do come in, where if you have the privilege of not living this as your everyday life, um, living a certain, any particular experience as your everyday life, and you have some energy that you can give to supporting people who are exhausted Mm -hmm. from microaggressions and various different experiences that I have. That to me is is allyship, and I think you made a really lovely point there about um about it, about acknowledging our own internal bias and realizing totally. because that I think I really think that's important about because it's very easy to say um, I'm an inclusive person. Inclusivity is really important to me. That's actually quite easy to say, but when we actually give time and space to finding out where is our own edge, mm-hmm. on that, because we all have an edge. Everybody has an yeah. edge on. I know if like the convenient string of letters that we have, like LGBTQ plus QIA going along, like, where is your, do you go, okay, all of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All those. Oh, not that's, I think that's a bit much. Oh, I don't know, whatever it might be, Mm -hmm. um, where people find their edge somewhere in there. 
Um, and, and that's just, for example, within the, within the queer community, people will have different ages, different social groups, different nationalities. People might have, you know, different social classes. Um, We've all grown up in a society where those stigmas are there. Yeah. And intellectual stigmas, academic stigmas. Yeah, exactly. And we all have them and that's okay. It's, mm. it's now, we can't escape them. We yeah. were, were all brought up differently and we all have them in some way, but it's about challenging yourself. And I ax- I actually think, to be honest, that's probably a lifelong yeah. kind of journey because, you know, you're constantly going to be coming up and meeting new people and people who come from different backgrounds, you know, and you always have to kind of, yeah, like I think thinking about equality, it's what we fight for and it's what we want. And sometimes I do get exhausted and go, will we ever, it will it happen in my lifetime? And I sadly think no, but I want the, the <laughs> next. The revolution know, is ongoing for when I die with pride <laughs> that you know it it is ha- happening and i actually see yes i do think that the lgbtq plus community are under threat at the moment there's been a lot of you know unfortunate events that have happened recently that are triggering and that are hurtful and that are shocking and this may be me trying to be an optimist but sometimes i'm like but these people who are carrying these discriminations are showing their face now because we have become proud and we have been able to step outside and say this is who I am and I I am enough to be in this world and I'm I'm going to fight for myself and my community and my brothers and sisters so now the people and siblings yes sorry um so now the people who maybe have been quiet throughout the years are bringing their voices and I see it not as a positive thing because I don't think any attacks are positive, but those people bring their voices. At least now we can take them head on and then they're showing, they're showing their voices and their spaces. So now we can actually really tackle those, those uh, discrimination kind of voices. Yeah. Lance the boil. Mm hmm. Yes. Um, and I have legacy in the back of my mind, which I think we're going to come to now in a moment. Yeah. Oh, it's because you mentioned about when it comes your time to, to die with pride. <laughs> a long time in the future, Virgil. We're going around on spaceships. But I have be- a number in my head, an age in my head. So do I. Um, do you want to tell us? I'll tell you mine. I don't know. Will I, will I say it on mic on a public platform? Mine's 104. Oh my God, mine's 104. No! Mine's 104. Something about that age really Ferg. resonates with me. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're not the same age, so I'll be gone first anyway when I get to 104. <laughs> all going well. 104, <laughs> all going well. This is it. 104 is what I see. That's really oh my funny. God, that is really funny. <laughs> That's gas. So there you go. Your legacy. There you go. You'll have a good legacy built up by then. Yes, because I feel like I still have so much to do. Yeah. And I feel like I'm only starting something. And I think this is that's what activism is about. That's what allyship is about. It's, it's the legacy that we leave, the little ripple that of whatever we do in the world that yes. lives on, that goes bigger than us and, and carries out to all the people that we meet, all the lives that we touch without ever knowing that we've, you know, I love that image somewhere. of a ripple. And I like that we're all leaving ripples. Um 
I love that. So maybe but some waves as well. Maybe maybe some waves. But we do have, we are going to finish out the episode with another little segment. Yes. Um, From Tony. And I, I want to say as well, actually, that the, the reason Tony isn't physically here with us is because he's based in London. Um, but And we did consider doing a Zoom episode or interview, yeah. which is still not off the cards. Yeah. But we just felt being in person really for these conversations really feels yeah, logistically it wasn't really working out and it's yeah. funny though that we started to talk about pandemic stuff as well because that was the big legacy of the pandemic was zoom into, yeah, into all exactly. the spaces but yeah anyway it just didn't work out to actually have tony for this conversation but yeah hopefully we will in the yeah. future and as i said at the start i look forward to sitting down and talking to him and who knows that yeah. may happen for the first time and if anybody's in, in london space. tony is available for your funeral <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Pride London. Yes. But we are going to finish with another kind of um, segment from a document that Tony put together about yeah. Died with Pride. Um, and this is What is Our Legacy? So, what is our legacy? Our legacy is what we as individuals leave behind that we will be remembered for our unique personality, our beliefs that we developed on our journey through life. That leave a mark on the ones we leave behind. It's taking a beat from our heart and passing it on to others to continue beating. Died with Pride recognises each individual and the path they endured. It's a final courtesy or curtsy. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Sorry, I'm reading this like <laughs> blankly. Um, it's a final courtesy or curtsy to thank them for making our paths easier and more beautiful. It is honoring their time on earth and therefore knowing and honoring that they died with pride. Ah. So beautiful. Yeah. It's really, really beautiful. It's a gentle and powerful summary of legacy from a pride perspective. Yeah. Um, And this was our first pride episode of three slash four. To yeah, be we'll seen. See we go. We'll see how yeah. we go. We have some great conversations coming up. Really, side. really beautiful people coming in to talk to us um, who'll really be able to celebrate pride and ceremony with us, I yeah. think, in a. And challenge us. And challenge us, mm-hmm. yes. Um, thank you so much, and we'll be chatting to you. Bye.